Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. This is going to be a really short episode. This will be the shortest episode that Fiddle and Pipe has ever done. This is a short read, and I am ready for it. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Fiddle and Pipe. I'm Brittany Ross. That's Catherine Flincham. Mm-hmm. I almost screwed up your last name again. I don't know what's wrong with me. Everybody screws up my last name. <laughs> but we're like best friends, and I've known you for... How long have we known each other? It's been like 11 years. It's okay, but okay, remember I had your Thayer, like your maiden name on my phone for like the longest time until I think I went back to Georgia last time and changed <laughs> well it's okay because I'm still the same person but you still have the same email to that 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 doesn't help you either I always have to send my recordings to be fair at gmail <laughs> and I'm like oh well today we are talking about the last section of the practice and this might be our shortest episode yet I know. This was a really short read, one, and... The book in general, or this section? The section, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't feel very long. It didn't, and I don't know, it just felt... These three sections, I think, make sense, because they're the shortest, and they're more just kind of like a general summary. (laughs) I would say, there's like moments where it feels like we're getting a summary of the book, like a nice little recap, and then... Here's what you just read. Yeah, this is the purpose of the book and the end. Here's my thesis. (laughs) Yeah. There were some good things. I mean, even though that I feel like right now this book has been not as enjoyable as we thought it was going to be, I did enjoy some parts of this last bit. Just Mm -hmm. like a couple. But overall, it was just kind of like... Yeah, I already know this. These last few chapters were especially repetitive, especially the earlier skills section just kept going on and on and on. And I'm like, you literally could have just been like, earn your skills. Enter, enter, enter. You got work, bitch. Next section. (laughs) You got to work. I felt like we were kind of getting a repeat of the trust yourself stuff at the seek out constraints section. There's that whole section that says, like, let me just find it if I can. Um, I have, like, tabs, so I should be able to. Who prepared. Oh, yeah, like, in the Seek Out the Constraints section, number 215, Trust the Process, that literally just reminded me of Trust Yourself. And I was like, this is a repeat of literally what we just talked about. And, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah, redundant. <laughs> redundant. We get it. We know it. That's basically how I felt in general. Yeah. I read these sections and I sat down to do the notes after because I just I just wanted to breeze through. I just wanted to be done with it. Yeah. So then I sat down to take notes and I'm like, what do I even say? Because I feel like Seth kind of got the gist of it in the titles of the chapters. Like, mm-hmm. for example, the first section of this section that we're doing for this episode is make assertions. And it's literally just, like, be loud, proud, and confident about what you have to say and do. 
and just like believe in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much like I don't know what else to say. The only other things I put are like, you know, be specific in what you're saying, I guess, asserting, doing. And Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with the assertions thing, one, I feel like he never really clearly defined, like, assertions well, but, and, and then, like, at the the first thing. Or at least in his context, because I I know what assertions means. Yeah. I, I will be the first to admit that I'm trying to get back into the habit of looking up words that I don't mm-hmm. know what they mean instead of just breezing through it, because I remember as a kid, that's how I learned what words meant, as so I'm trying to do it as an adult. It's like, no, I got to go on Google and look this up yeah. on dictionary.com. <laughs> so I looked up what assertion means just mm-hmm. to make sure. And let me just look it up. Assertion. Oops. Can't spell. Dumb. Okay. So assertion, a confident and forceful statement of fact or belief. And I was like, okay, that's what I thought it meant. But like how... How does it tie into what Seth is trying to say? Because I feel like you kind of need to twist it to be like, oh, I guess you need to be loud. That's why I said you need to be loud and proud about what you have to say. And it's not really what you have to say as much as take assertions through action, which is kind of an arbitrary thing that he doesn't really explain very well. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I was doing some mental gymnastics with this one. Yeah, same. Because I was just sitting there and I'm like, how does this relate? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, if you were a teacher, you would circle this section and put irrelevant. Yeah. Like, I totally get that, like, you need to be loud and proud in w- of what you do. And you need to kind of, like, share that to the audience that you want to capture. And be, like, self-advocating, kind of. Yeah, but did it need to be a section? <laughs> like, did it need to be yeah. an entire section? This was easily, like, mentioned or just kind of known when we read the generous section and the trust yourself section. Yeah, this would have been great with trust yourself because if you trust yourself, you can make, you know, you can self-advocate. You can mm-hmm. stick up for what you want to do. One thing I did notice is that he was, like, saying ass- assertions are the generous act of seeking to make things better your mom's a generous act of seeking to make things better. Yeah. <laughs> They're half a question. Perhaps is the unstated word at the beginning of every assertion. Before you find an answer, you'll need to make an assertion. I was like, what? I was like, I don't. Is he saying like hypothesis? I read that. I had to reread that section. And I was like, same. I don't think you're using the right word there, Seth. Yeah. Like, you have a hypothesis, and then you go out to see if it's true or not. Like, you you shouldn't have to prove an assertion. Assertion's like, I know for a fact that this is what it is, so therefore I'm saying it. It's not like, I know for, like, I'm a musician, and then I don't have to go out and prove that I'm a musician. Exactly. Which, maybe that is what he's trying to say, but that's not what assertion means. I mean, you stated that clearly. Thank you. Way clearer than what (laughs) Seth Godin did. Sorry, Seth, but... But I should write your book, your next book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking maybe, did he like write that? Because this is so broad in a sense for 
just like creatives and freelancers. It's not, there's not like a specific genre of like creatives that he's aiming for. Like musicians, for instance, he's aiming for any kind of creative. So I'm wondering if it's like this language because of that. But also, I don't find that attractive. (laughs) It reminds me of what we talked about when we had Chelsea on. And mm-hmm. we were talking about how a lot of his language is really arbitrary and vague. And I think it is because he is trying to market to so many different kinds of people. So he has a hard time being specific. Yeah. The basic point of the practice is how to keep working at your craft, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you write a book for musicians, artists, writers, sculptors, doctors, contractors, recruiters businessmen bloggers or business women i guess business thems we don't assume pronouns on this podcast <laughs> yeah we don't but like how do you write a book giving directions on hey you know that thing that you're doing you gotta keep doing that thing for so many different kinds of people yeah because in the beginning of this book he's not just talking about creatives he's like yeah you know the doctors use this and we talked about that a little bit with cassie as well yeah doctors practice i mean technically they do let's just be honest not on me hopefully but not on you (laughs) on patients (laughs) let's let's just hope it's patients who have consented to the practice (laughs) i don't know what they do in hospitals when you do surgeries i don't know if you sign contracts or anything so yeah, I think you might sign something for if you, like, die during the surgery. Unless it's, like, malpractice. Yeah, I don't think I ever signed. Well, I did have a surgery, but it was, like, plastic surgery. When did you have plastic surgery? It was technically plastic surgery because I got my cyst out. I knew those boobs weren't real. <laughs> <laughs> I purposely flat-chested myself <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> But but no, for real, like, I had, like, a cyst here and on my head and, uh, like, on top of my eyebrow here, and I had it ever since I was, like, a baby. Hmm. And I got it removed, but instead of going to the doctor, I went to a plastic surgeon. But I don't remember signing a contract or anything. (laughs) Like, I don't remember shit. I could be wrong, but I kind of think they make you sign more paperwork when there's anesthesia involved, because... I did have anesthesia. Yeah, I think people can die under anesthesia especially if you have like certain conditions like heart conditions yeah i was under anesthesia and i don't remember signing shit (laughs) like maybe my mom did because i was a minor but i was gonna say your parents would sign it but like also like don't i have a say in this probably not because i was a minor (laughs) no your parents own you until you're 18 in the u.s true (laughs) okay then that makes sense if we have any international listeners that's exactly how it works but i don't remember signing a form for my wisdom teeth removal and i was definitely 18 at that time Hmm. and i was under anesthesia i remember that you know i'm a violinist i'm not a medical professional take this up with cassie don't take it up with me (laughs) you have the wrong person (laughs) on this podcast cassie if you know let us know she has a dm (laughs) The one section of Make Assertions that I actually enjoyed and I got something out of was the section where he's talking about embracing your ego. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that we view ego as, like, this megalomaniac, narcissistic kind of thing. So if you have any sense Mm -hmm. of ego, it's like, you know, you're like Trump. And, like, you shit liquid gold, basically, which I hope that's not the case because you should go to a doctor. But instead... (laughs) 
he's he makes a point <laughs> he makes a point that you should you know you got to have self-esteem in order to do things and having self-esteem makes you have an ego and ego is also like your sense of self true so like you got to have these things in order to do anything i think we see ego so much in a really negative light because that's how we perceive ego in most ways because a lot of the times when we refer to ego it's more in a narcissistic kind of sense where you can just get way too into yourself and I think that's like what I battle with a little bit because it's like I don't want to have too much of an ego like that but I want to be confident I don't know if anybody else like feels that way but from like what I feel it's just like I don't want to seem too much of an ego or too much like I don't want to seem too much in general when I'm like sharing something you don't want to be too cocky yeah but I think that's also just part of my own self you know confidence yeah I know I totally agree with that and I think that as someone who has I would say probably about an average if not maybe slightly above average level of self-confidence I just always assume that if it's not something you think about, you're probably good. And I've never really, like, sat and thought about my self-confidence. I mean, I have with some things. There are, you know, differing levels of confidence in things. But overall, it's not really something that I think about. So it's like if I don't think about it, I'm probably good. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything else to say about this section? No. It could have been part of another one. But I'm assuming that he had this one, like, he made this, like, its own section, I guess, like, as a refresher. I don't know. Maybe he put, put trust yourself in the beginning, kind of, like, starting out, like, what you want to do. Like, are you thinking about doing a business? And then, like, make assertions is kind of, like, one of those, like, not final, but more, like, you have a business now and it's going and... Like, here's your action. Yeah, here's the action that you need to take to continue what you want to do. Um, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's why that section exists, like, later on in the book. I don't know. I just wish there was more clarity, because I feel like you summed that up better than actually reading the book. That whole thing? Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess what we're saying, Seth, is that you got to earn your skills, which is the next section. I really liked number one. 191 with the swim analogy because when I was reading it it made a lot of sense and I felt like it related pretty darn well with musician like being a musician really I kind of hated it so let's talk about that maybe it's just because like one I'm biased and I love swimming that was like my sport of choice because you're in the water I always knew you were a fish (laughs) I'm a fish um (laughs) can I read it is that okay yeah you don't need to ask I might skip some sections but Here it is. No, read the whole book. Oh, God, no. (laughs) I'm just going to read this section. It's not the whole book, y'all. All All right. This is called The Truth About Getting Better. Mundane doesn't mean what I thought it meant. The word mundane actually refers to the real world, the practical, skill-based, reality-focused truth of the world around us. Camera shift to Seth Googling mundane. Mundane. (laughs) I know, right? How can I twist this in my book? (laughs) In his breakthrough paper, the mund- the mundanity of excellence, I probably said that wrong. Is that a word? I don't know, but it's a breakthrough paper. Uh, hmm. in quotes, 
Researcher Daniel Chambliss found the perfect laboratory to test for what it means to level up. He reviewed the habits, backgrounds, and performances of competitive swimmers in an ideal population to examine because, one, there are clear levels from country club league swimmers all the way up to the Olympics. Participants are clearly in only one group in the hierarchy at a time. Number two, performance is easily measured. It's not like figure skating where the judge where the judges matter. Number three, there are almost no external factors. The pool is the pool. Luck is easy to roll out, and the performance can be measured over time. Number four, there's a large and fa fairly varied population of competitors. Here are the facts that he discovered. There is no quantitative difference in training. People at higher levels of performance don't spend more hours training. There's no requirement for social deviance. Deviance? Probably said that wrong. <laughs> uh, deviance. Deviance. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <laughs> I don't know wow. if you should be co-hosting a book podcast, Catherine. <laughs> wow. Catherine's like, how do I make this more French? Deviance. <laughs> There's no requirement for social deviance. <clears throat> the athletes at the highest level had just... The athletes at the highest level had just as many friends and just as normal a life as dedicated swimmers at lower levels. There is no talent differentiation. The ability to swim fast is not something you're born with. In fact, there are two key... Unless you're a fish. Unless you're a fish, yeah. Or part fish. Did you ever see, oh, that Disney Channel movie? <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting okay. into a soapbox. <laughs> Controversial opinion on this podcast. I was never a really big Disney um gotcha channel person i was more like nickelodeon fair fair yeah. i just watched all that shit because i didn't have cable tv so i took advantage whenever i was at my friend's house i was like oh you're asleep and i'm awake <laughs> i'm gonna watch every single channel guess i'm watching disney channel again <laughs> i watched all those channels like late at night it was so fun <laughs> but anyway um what was i saying you were reading yeah, number one, skill. The best swimmers swim differently than the ones who don't perform as well. They do their strokes differently. They do their turns differently. These are learned and practiced skills. Attitude. The best swimmers bring a different attitude to their training. They chose to fight, find delight in the parts that other swimmers avoid. This is their practice. There isn't just one swimming culture. There are several. The swimmers who hang out at the country club pool are very different in skill, approach, and effect than those who compete on the varsity team. And the culture of the varsity team isn't like the one among the swimmers who compete at the nationals. It turns out that it's not training hours or DNA that changes outcomes. It's our belief in possibility and the support of the culture around us. Creators have a better attitude because they figured out how to trust the process and trust themselves to work with it. Attitudes, of course, are skills, which is good news for all of us because it means that if we care enough, we can learn. That's a lot. <laughs> so the problem that I had was... Mm -hmm. Where he says, in fact, there are two key differences between great competitors and good ones. And the first thing is skill. And he says that the basically the best swimmers swim differently than the ones who don't perform as well. They learn skills to swim better. And then above that, he says, there's no quantitative difference in training. People at higher levels of performance don't spend more hours training. Bitch, yeah, they do. How do you think they learn those skills? I, I thought more in the music sense. Well, it's the same thing. Like, I have more hours under my belt 
Most likely than someone who's worse than me. Oh, sorry. I might have like actually like misunderstood that a little bit because I think I was thinking more of like not in a whole general sense because I know that for us, we definitely like Olympic swimmers definitely in a general sense have spent many hours in their craft swimming. Same with Mm -hmm. us, with our instruments, um, practicing our instruments for years to get to where we are today. I was Mm -hmm. thinking more of like current present day, like what I can do today. I can't practice for like three hours every day like I used to when I was a kid. I was thinking more like actual real time, like action, not so much like overall act, like overall product with that. So you mean like a day by day level? Yeah. So do you think that's what he was saying? Did I misunderstand? That's how I took it. Because I'm assuming that like, yeah, Olympic swimmers, granted, like I'm not an Olympian. I'm sure like Olympic swimmers, like when they're like training for the like, you know, the event and everything like they're training. That's all they freaking do. But I don't know, like. So is he saying like an Olympic swimmer and a beginning swimmer can practice the same amount of like yeah. hours in like one day that's what i was thinking of it you know oh that's stupid i don't know that's how I... <laughs> we need to ask him no well i mean obviously you got something out of this and i didn't so <laughs> yeah well like that's what i was saying because yeah like when i was a kid like when I, we were an undergrad like i remember like i was busting ass practicing three hours a day like because i was like this is what i gotta do to get to where i need to be and, mm-hmm. like that was my practice literally practice my practice (laughs) and I today like as much as I would love (laughs) to practice for three hours every day and nobody got time for that yeah exactly like I'm already living in the work that I'm doing and I'm still trying to keep up with it I guess in a sense like how I took it was you know in order to keep going with your practice in order to keep going as a musician you know, every now and then we do need to, like, be with our instruments and play them and get to know them and understand, like, go back to, like, you know, I went to school for this. Why did I go to school for this? Why am I teaching yeah. my students this? Why am I even playing this? I like to think that, you know, practicing in general, like, as a daily habit, if not daily, like, as a general, like, I need to refresh my skills and I can do this for, like, an hour mm-hmm. yeah. uh, just to keep up with it. And continue my practice is something that I thought about with that. That's <laughs> that's so funny how we thought of it differently. But that's the problem. It's like all this is so vague. I know. <laughs> and the thing is, is I'm sure we've said this before, but the way this book is set up is it's a section. And within that section, there's little numbers. And each number has anywhere from like one or two paragraphs to like a page and a half. And then... He moves on to the next number and there's no relation. No relation. (laughs) If you don't get what he's saying, then you're just kind of like, well, that one was a swing and a miss. Yeah. Which is kind of one of my annoyances with this book is I wish there was more discussing what he's saying instead of either you get it or you don't. I genuinely wish we had a little bit more explanation, a little bit more clarity. Yeah. I also liked the... Later in the section, how he talks about the best in the world. Because, like, I also refer to that as music. And I was (laughs) sitting there. um, How I kind of took it as, like, I think it's so easy when you're a musician sometimes to, like, put yourself on, like, I need to be like this. And you want to be the best at it. 
and you kind of keep yourself at that pedestal for a while so you can reach that goal. And I feel like I've been there many times, especially when I was in school, because I felt like I needed to be the best at everything. And I needed to be the best when I came into my placement audition. I needed to be the best when I came into every single rehearsal. And I need to be the best when I even come into a lecture class. And that way I'm like aware of the topic that we're talking about and that people know that I know what I'm talking about. I don't know, I really liked it because I think it's so easy to kind of get up in that, caught up in that visual. And it's more like an outcome, less, it's not really a process. (laughs) It's not reality. It's not, and it's really, and it ends up being something that's really stressful and kind of really burns you out because, mm-hmm. <laughs> LOL, living that right now. Well, also think about how many people we know who went to school with us for music who don't do music anymore. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I really liked that little section just because mm-hmm. I think we all feel that way at some point. Maybe not all mm-hmm. of us, but I feel like maybe at least some of us. I know at least for musicians and other artists, like, we strive to be... The best at our craft. Best, yeah. And we want to make some kind of memorable, you know, remark of some mm-hmm. sort. And it's easy to kind of, like, really get caught up in that <laughs> and burn yourself yeah. out. So, I really liked that. <laughs> Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver and let's say this person was me and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in store or online at labellerosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm going to be late. Oh. So I'm going to go. Go to La Belle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go. There's another section that he's talking about surrounding yourself with like-minded people, and I mm-hmm. I like that. Same. I find that I have the most success when I do surround myself with like-minded people. And I think that's why music school is so great and so awful is because you are constantly surrounded by everyone else who wants to practice five hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it gives you a little bit of push. To really, like, do better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Earn Your Skills, I thought, was a good section. I don't know. I really liked it for some reason. I thought it made sense in many ways. I liked it, too, but it seems like it just kind of went on and on once he made his point. Once he made the point. It's just like, you know, you got to practice, okay? You got to practice with purpose, okay? You got to practice to earn skills, okay? And it's just it kind of, like... Well, I like how he said that we need to do, like, the hard work and, like, actually, like, look up and 
the work itself, like have the knowledge mm-hmm. of the work. We've encountered instances where people have like tried to like sell a product to us or sell like, you know, sell us something. And it's like, well, why? Like, why should I do this? And they don't really explain why <laughs> or mm-hmm. like explain their reasoning at all. It's like, well, did you do your research into this? You know, mm-hmm. you can't just like, you know, talk about, for instance, can't talk about do, like teaching a course in marketing if you yourself aren't doing the marketing thing or looking up the marketing facts and knowledge and what are the trends that are easily you know going to attract an, the audience that you're looking for you can't like teach a course on that if you haven't like done the research or the knowledge and people are yeah. not going to take you seriously if they know that you haven't really done the research or the knowledge or if you're not really explaining like hey, like, I looked up the facts. Mm-hmm. Like, some people are probably not going to take that in. Like, they're going to probably see, like, is this legit? Or is this something that someone's just kind of, like, advertising, you know? Yeah. You can't just say that you'll do something. You need, like, the resume to back it up or you need to be able to put the work in so that way you can back up what you're doing. Exactly. It's also, like, I guess being an author is, is an easy, another easy one to see. It's, like, you can't say, oh, I'm going to be an author and then not write anything, not mm-hmm. research whatever you're trying to write, not put the work into actually trying to be a writer. Exactly. It's the same with us. See, we can't say that we're musicians and not practice or have practiced or have spent years learning our instruments. Yeah, I'm not going to go say that I'm going to teach trumpet because I, one, have no knowledge of the trumpet, and two... I don't really understand how the trumpet works. There's, like, three knobs, and you make so much sound with three buttons, and I don't get it. I know it's the shape of your lips that changes the sound, but that's all I know. (laughs) I can't do... I'm like, it's magic to me. I don't know. So, most likely, unless, like, you take in the work and find out, like, how to play trumpet... You're not going to advertise lessons for trumpet. I'm not going to go teach trumpet. Yeah, exactly. Just because I knew people that did that. (laughs) So if anyone is uh, interested in taking me up on some trumpet lessons, you can find me at (laughs) bmrossmusic on Instagram. Now accepting trumpet DMs. They go like that. (laughs) (laughs) We're not brass players. Anyway. Speak no, out constraints. Not. Is that the next section? Speak out. Seek out constraints. Seek out constraints. Okay. This one was dumb. I literally <laughs> had nothing to say about this. <laughs> Can I sum it up in one sentence? Yes. Sum it. You're good. Know your limits in a practical sense and in a creative sense. Mm-hmm. Literally just know what you can and can't do. Like, literally, practically, physically. And then creatively know the limits of whatever medium you're doing yep that's it exactly there were a lot of examples one of monty python which is fine i'm okay with it which tells you that he watches a lot of monty python yeah it brings me back to my improv questions that i was having in one of our (laughs) sections where i was like i feel like he's really into improv (laughs) yeah i mean i have no beef against monty python it's all, it's, I'm all good with it. Are you a big Monty Python person? I like watching it. I'm not, like, obsessive fan, but if, like, my Monty Python and the Holy Grail is on TV, I'll watch it. 
I had mm-hmm. Monty Python and the Flying Circus on DVD when I was growing up, so, mm. like, I watched that stuff. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I just love weird British humor like that, but... <laughs> no, Monty Python and Holy Grail is, like, a classic. David is really into Monty Python. I've seen a lot of stuff, but yeah. I'm not, like, a big Monty Python head, but... Yeah. Yeah, he does talk about it a lot. He did. In this section, at least. And PBS yeah. specials, I was like... <laughs> I was like, what am I reading? Right? I felt like when back when we read the inner game of music and he was talking about like how advanced computers were. Oh. <laughs> that, that computers were like this grand invention that we might do something with someday. Or oh, he was man. talking about uh mixtapes, wasn't he too? Mix CDs, VHS tapes, and cassette tapes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the Seiko Constraints thing, though, he was just more, like, saying, like, oh, these programs, like, Monty Python had a budget, and this is what they did with it, and you can do that, too. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, give me their budget. It's probably more money than I have. Right? Because this whole point was, like, they don't have that much money, but I'm sure it was still, like, tens of thousands of dollars, and I don't have tens of thousands of dollars, let's be honest. Yeah, true. But, like, they probably just had to, like, work with, like, what they had, you know? And it's the same with us on the podcast. We have to work with what we got. We got to work that we're on Zoom when we record. We got to work with, like, the equipment that we have. And that it's the same if you are, you know, if you're a music student and you want to, like, do auditions and, you know, get into, like, a festival or a music school. And it's, like, you if you, for instance, have to do a recording – if you don't have like a really fancy ten like hundred dollar camera, video camera, or recorder, you're gonna have to go use your resources and use like maybe something from your music library or something. Mm-hmm. Using like the resources you have, that way you can get to the goals that you want. If you want to get to Aspen, but like your only source of recording is through like some running out from the music library and use like recording in a a practice room or rehearsal room or maybe on stage if you're lucky enough then like use what you got like use the resources that you have I mean I remember being in the music school especially like I really wish I did this more when I was an undergrad but I didn't really realize it until I was in grad school but because like did you take that class where you had like it's like an intro to grad studies kind of class maybe where you did like more like learning how to like write coursework or something like that oh yeah like just like a research course yeah general research course so yeah when we had that I remember like our instructor at least he like made us go into the library a lot and he was just like you want to use the resources that you have while you're here like take advantage of it while you can and that's what I fucking did I was like I'm gonna be here for a short time I'm gonna take advantage of like yeah I'm gonna go to the library and I'm gonna find as much music as I can and I'm gonna scan Mm -hmm. it and I'm gonna keep it in my library I'm gonna take advantage of like using certain resources like using finale at school taking advantage of the pianos at school when I'm in the practice rooms like when at the time when I didn't have a piano in my room Things like that. I was going to take, like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of, like, like reserving a time in, like, the recital hall to record something. Because when am I mm-hmm. ever going to get this again? You got to, like, kind of use your resources. I'm really heavily basing it on music school, but that's just because, like, a lot of this, I was just like, this is paralleling to musicians in some shape, way, form. 
It is, and I think that's okay, since that's our experience and that's what we know. Yeah, exactly. I didn't really get much out of this chapter. I wish I did. There really wasn't much that I got out of it this either. It just felt like a summary of everything mm-hmm. that he discussed beforehand. So it makes sense why it's at the end. Speaking of summary, he has, after these sections, he has three questions that are almost like mini sections. Oh, yeah. There's one called, where do ideas come from? I thought that was a poem. Me. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it was written like i was just like is this a poem a lot of line breaks <laughs> yes and he was basically just saying when we let our mind wander productively while we're doing something productive or mindless and that's it yeah that was it <laughs> and then the second one is if you had tomorrow to do over again would you that confused me. I did not like that question. It's basically like if you if you could redo if you could do your day over, would you? Like, would you change your future or your pat or your present? Oh, the way that he phrased that question, I hate. He just said, make sure that you don't fall into the same patterns each day, because that's yeah. why he said tomorrow instead of today. Because you know, uh, everyone's always like, well, if you have a bad day today, you can like you know make up for it tomorrow. But if you keep falling into the same patterns, then you're not going to break out. And you don't want to say like if like redoing today either, because you don't want to repeat yeah. the patterns. Oh, yeah. Okay, I hate how that question is freaking phrased. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. But it makes sense. It's just, like, confusing. You just need me to translate it. <laughs> well, I was reading it, and I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I was just like, this is dumb. I'm not even going to ponder, and I, like, kept going. You feel like we're reading The Hobbit again, and you have riddles? Yeah, fuck riddles. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is unquenchable. And can I tell you something embarrassing? Sure. I thought that quench your thirst was a slogan for something, and I spent an embarrassing amount of time Googling that. It's not? No, I thought it was. Yeah, that's what I thought. I kind of thought it was for, like, Gatorade or Powerade, but I googled quench your thirst, and I couldn't find it. That's so weird. And then I just thought of all the memes that are, like, thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) The way that you said that was very, like, thirsty. Thirsty. (laughs) <laughs> so sensual mm. so discreet <laughs> but he just says like you yourself should be unquenchable like you should never be satisfied like Hamilton and you just kind of keep moving like me like Catherine <laughs> and you just you keep getting never satisfied <laughs> you'll never be satisfied Um, you use your curiosity generosity and connection and I think that's like connections to other people, like networking, to move forward. And to yeah. just keep doing your thing. And then he's like, now do the thing. You have the magic. Like his last few. <laughs> and then the magic thing I couldn't take. Because it reminded me of the first time we read this, like, the first episode that we read. When I was in a bad mood. And Cassie was like, <laughs> magic. And then he says, you have everything you need to go make magic. You always have. Go make a ruckus. The magic is that there's no magic. Start where you are. Don't stop. The last two lines I actually like because it's like, just stop procrastinating and do the thing. But mm-hmm. the slap on the shoulder and be like, go get him, pal. I feel like was a little much. 
Yeah, the magic is there. Okay, Harry Potter. Like, oh, like wizard Harry. Okay, Tom Riddle. Mm-hmm. Those little riddles in this book. Just kidding. Uh, He's not Lord Voldemort. I just compared Seth Godin to Lord Voldemort. Catherine, you <laughs> can't say that name. <gasps> he was not who ha- he who is not to be named. Oh my he, god, I hate he who must not be named. God, I like. How could you live in a time where you have to say that all the time to reference one person's he who must not be named? (laughs) I'm sorry. I just, like, that's confusing sometimes. (laughs) Too many words. Too many words for a name. Catherine, if you had tomorrow to do over again, would you? Stop this. (laughs) Speak English. If you had to rate this book, which you do have to on our podcast, what would you rate it? I would give it a three. A simple three. Out of ten? Oh, oh, uh, ten. Just thinking five. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking five. <laughs> You're thinking about Goodreads. <laughs> yeah. I would give it a five, maybe. I'm going to give it a five because have I seen this in other books? Yes. Were there some things in this that were, like pretty like okay I I totally get what this means and I can like go back and take this in Mm -hmm. yeah just but very few not a lot because again a lot of this was kind of mentioned in Atomic Habits that we talked about earlier this year I feel like even some things from not giving a fuck were also related in some ways so it's like if you read this book I would say, like, if you do read this book and you haven't read, like, Atomic Habits or The Simple Art of Not Giving a Fuck, I think those are two great books to read maybe after this to kind of put a little bit more into detail. Maybe also just, like, get a little bit clearer idea of, like, how to take action maybe instead of just, you know, hearing, there you go, partner, have a good day. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. So if you want an actual plan on how to do your thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if we read this book, maybe not so close to, like, when we read Atomic Habits and not giving a fuck and even do nothing, because I feel like even some parts of do nothing were, like, kind of related to, but mm-hmm. I think if we didn't read those books so recent, like so recently, then maybe reading this book later down the road might have been, like, a nice refresher and been like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, I totally get it. But I don't know. I just didn't really enjoy the whole, like, I know that I mentioned that I like the format of the paragraphs, like, little sections and stuff. I still like that. I liked that a whole lot. But it it did feel random at times. Didn't feel cohesive, like, from one one paragraph or number bulletin to the other Mm -hmm. in some instances. Some did. Some did relate. But most of the time, it was just kind of random. Yeah. And I just wish there was a little bit more explanation of things. It felt very, like, be yourself, be confident, you go, and... You go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> you go, Glenn Coco. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, which is weird, because I was also thinking about Mean Girls before this. <laughs> hmm. It's about time for my yearly re- rewatch of Mean Girls, so... Yeah, remember uh, around this time, uh, th- around this time last year, we found out Rainer never seen... <laughs> Mean that's girls. true that's true so, good yeah. job <laughs> good job Raider. You, we, you've watched mean girls we've come so far so proud of you 
But yeah, like, this book, I think, was just very, it, it just felt way too positive to me, where it felt too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really kind of made it unattractive to me, because I mm-hmm. hate hearing that kind of stuff. Like, you go, you can do it, when it's just like, yeah, shut up, let me just, like, read. (laughs) Our whole conversation before we started recording of how are you. Yeah, exactly. Like, why do people ask how are you when they just want you to say I'm fine or I'm good? I hate, I hate that question so much, (laughs) it burns me out. (laughs) It just bums me out when it's not asked genuinely. Yeah, I, yeah. Every time someone asks me, I just go, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, great. Okay. How are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, th- this book has a solid five. I'm glad that we read a book, though, that we did not like as much because, I don't know, it's different from like us like reading a fiction book, like for instance, like How We Read Twilight or Fifty Shades. Fifty yeah. Shades. <laughs> Fifty Shades of yeah. Grey, for instance, which, uh, heads up, y'all, that's on, it's gonna be on our Patreon. Check it out. It's different from Fifty Shades because, like, we knew that was not gonna be a good book. Or, yeah. like, we just assumed it was gonna be a good book because we knew what the movie was like. And, I mean, we just kind of had a general idea what the book was about. There's enough, like, pop culture, yeah. Yeah, and so that's different compared to, like, this kind of book where it's, like, this is, like, a self-help book. This is a book that is not fiction, and yet we haven't really enjoyed it as much. And I'm really glad that we read a book like this that we haven't enjoyed. It kind of shows that not every book that we're going to read on the podcast is going to be, like, our favorite. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and great. Like, it's not. like so, And that's the reality of books in general, I feel like. We all highlight, like, oh, this book is the best. But yeah. sometimes you just got to, like, say, like, hey, I didn't really enjoy this book. And that's just my opinion. And it happens. Yeah, I think I would have to give this book a solid three, which I think is what I gave Twilight. So that's the level that this was on for me. You know, Twilight was so long ago, I cannot remember. <laughs> I guess without echoing everything that you just said, the biggest problem that I have with this book is that it just wasn't cohesive and it read like a series of tweets or a series of blog posts and it Mm -hmm. made me question my reading comprehension skills at times. There were a few nuggets here and there where I felt like, oh, that's a good point or whatever. But other than that, it just seemed there was no thorough line. It was very repetitive. Towards the end, I was just kind of more in the mindset of, "Uh, let's just get through this. But it wasn't a total mm-hmm. waste of time. Mm-mm. It wasn't. I just think it could have been written better. Yeah. I would definitely recommend reading Atomic Habits because, like we said in our last episode, or two episodes ago, um, Atomic Habits is the, the name brand version and this is the store brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Sorry, Seth. Yeah, that's my biggest recommendation. I guess I haven't read that many self-help books. I think the only ones that I've read are really for this podcast because self-help usually isn't a genre that I fiddle with. No pun intended. But... (laughs) (laughs) That's clever. Thanks. Yeah, I would say definitely Atomic Habits. I think Do Nothing would be 
a good read also instead of reading the practice because do nothing teaches you you know atomic habits teaches you how to build better habits for yourself and then Mm -hmm. like what those habits should be and how to do that and how to make it so that way they become grounded in who you are and then do nothing is a flip side of that coin where it's like okay well on your downtime you can do this so i think reading those two books together is a lot more beneficial than reading the practice sorry seth sorry seth this one was a miss for me fair we are doing something new this episode our previous guests from previous episodes of this book cassie holmes and dr chelsea tanner will be sending in their reviews for this book so here they are. Hey, this is Cassie, and I am rating the practice, which we all read together. So I guess on a scale of 1 to 10, probably give it a 3 to 4. Doesn't really add much to what's out there. Uh, kind of hard to follow the way it's written. And I wouldn't really recommend it to anyone. <laughs> but, you know, it's better than notebooks. So that's my rating. Hi, this is Chelsea Tanner, and I guess I'm going to share with you my thoughts on the book The Practice by Seth Godin. I actually thought there were a lot of really great nuggets in this book for myself. I am an entrepreneur and a musician, and with that, I'm trying to create a body of work for potential clients for my clients and just to help my students and and my followers on social media and things like that. So for me, this book was actually quite helpful, but I can see this not applying to every single situation. And I think that a lot of these stories and sections don't always match up with each other in a way that would make sense to everyone. So I would say if you are a creative entrepreneur, this book is totally for you. If you're not doing something like that, you're not trying to write a blog post every day or every week, or you're not trying to put things out or ship creative work, so to speak, this might not be for you. So my thoughts are generally that There's some really interesting perspectives that I hadn't thought about before. And there were also some things that I kind of left in the book and didn't take with me. Um, So it's up to you how you want to interpret and use this book, but I would definitely recommend it for a creative entrepreneur trying to be consistent in their work and value their own work and um, sustain their motivation for a long period of time. Thanks for having me on fiddle and pipe i had so much fun and i hope to talk to you again soon wow that was super insightful thank you both for sending in audio recordings yeah thank you so that way i could plug it in and we don't know what y'all recorded but i'm sure it was fantastic we'll hear soon we'll hear when we listen to or when you're editing the episode (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll hear it we'll hear it our next book is new moon by yeah. stephanie mayer and um, Meyer. my <laughs> we're going back to this again <laughs> it's been a whole year we gotta bring back up the fact that we can't pronounce people's last names exactly so yeah we're taking another fiction break with 
Twilight, our favorite series. Yes. I mean, if... <laughs> I mean, if you are into it, you know. We... I don't know. I, I liked I liked New Moon better than Twilight, so I'm actually really excited. Okay, I haven't read... I saw... Again, I saw the movie, but I haven't read the book. So yeah, again, I'm very in- biased because I really like Taylor... Like, I really thought Taylor Lautner was super hot, and I was like, yeah, I'm into New Moon. <laughs> <laughs> This is before all the imprinting stuff, which makes it questionable. Well, yeah, actually, I think it is. I don't necessarily agree with what, after what we learned about how Stephanie Meyer, like, came up with that whole, like, tale about the Quilu. I don't necessarily agree with the whole tale about the Quilu thing that she did. No. I, I, I kind of feel the same way what I felt like last year when we first read Twilight. I don't remember the specifics of the book. But I do remember that I liked it better than the first book. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my biased opinion. So, I'm kind of excited to read it again to be like, oh, what did 15-year-old Catherine <laughs> read? <laughs> or, because I don't remember. But I am Team Jacob. We'll both be reading it for the first time then. Yeah, Team Jacob. Exciting. I do not support him in that whole imprinting thing, but I am Team yeah. Jacob. Yeah, so our first episode of that will be released in two weeks. We are going on a two-week break in between. Mm-hmm. Just, we need a break. School started. We're musicians. It's busy. Busy. Busy, busy, busy. I'm sure y'all are busy, too. So, yeah. A break is needed, but we'll be on social media. If you want to mm-hmm. follow us at Fiddle and Pipe on Instagram or at our personal pages at Cat Flinch Flute and at BM Ross Music. And then if Guess Facebook who's is who. more of your... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guess who's who. <laughs> and then um, if Facebook is more of your thing, then go on there and we will be announcing things on Fiddle and Pipe Forum. Rate and review our podcast. Something they do with the algorithms. It helps us. Yeah. I don't know. More likely to be like. Please do that if you listen. Helps us get broadcasted to people who don't listen to our podcast. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. Patreon is a crowdsourcing website that artists upload their material and you can support podcasts and different artists that you like we up there we have our happy hour episodes bloopers and outtakes from every episode and we will soon be unleashing our new tier that contains 50 shades of gray so that'll be exciting yeah that will (laughs) might be out by the time this comes out it'll be exciting it's definitely, that book is something else. It was, yeah. Yeah, so consider supporting <laughs> us, at keeping our costs low, even though inflation sucks. So if you like what we do and you want to support us with a low, low, low price of as low as $2 a month, please consider doing that. We would really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Do we have anything else? Oh, share our podcast to your friends. Just mm-hmm. word of mouth. Yeah, thank you for listening and sharing. Yeah. If you have been, so thanks. Yeah, and I guess we'll see y'all in two weeks. See you guys bye. then. Bye. 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 bye, 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 bye.